What up, guys? It's JP from The Chase Down, and I'm here with my co-host, Ben. Welcome, everybody. And I think both of our favorite nights of the year happened last night with the NBA draft commencing. Uh, we had a bunch of surprises, a bunch of picks we loved. And just to start the episode, I feel like as an overview of the draft, I wasn't super excited about it this year. Like, I didn't do a ton of research. Like, I've talked about it on the pod. Last year, I watched probably a, like close to 100 hours of shit just because it was fun for me. This year wasn't like that. I wasn't like diving in, but after seeing where some of these players landed, I'm much more excited about it. Like it just makes me more excited. What did you just think of the whole draft in general? Did you like it? How did it land for you? I kind of agree there. Um, there was a lot of guys definitely last year. I was much more tuned in uh, like specifically player by player on what they do well and what they don't. I've been doing basically just watching a lot of scouting reports, reading a lot of scouting reports, and I haven't watched as many full games as I did last year. Yeah. Um, so I see highlights and lowlights. I don't see like a full gameplay. But you're right. It's so fit based because we really think a lot of these guys are going to be role players, uh, but like solid role players. And it's so based on the teams that they go to. But all in all, I was very happy with yesterday's draft. Yeah, so I think it's time to start going pick by pick, and we're just going to give you a, a short breakdown and breakdown if we like the pick or not. And the first overall pick belonged to the Magic, and they shocked us all, I think, by selecting Paolo Benchero. But as I was thinking of it, I really like this pick. Um, I real I think they couldn't go wrong. Almost, I think all three guys in the top three fit their team very well. Um, they just need a guy who can get buckets like, and they don't really have that on their team. And I, I've said this a hundred times. I feel like Paolo's a sure thing to be like 17, eight and three when he walks into the league and he's probably their best offensive player once he steps on the court. Yeah, he can do, he's the most versatile, um, absolutely out of the top three. Vegas had Paolo as the betting favorite, even though for days we've been hearing it was going to be Jabari. It was going to be Jabari. And then it wasn't, but I, you know, I agree. I think this is a great pick for the magic. I think you can run Paolo and Franz Wagner on the floor at the same time. Um, if Jonathan Isaac ever returns from the grave, you could have maybe some interesting defense going there too. Um, Markel Fultz is good at setting up guys. It's, it's definitely his ceiling. Paolo's ceiling is based on, can he hit threes? Cause he didn't really show that he could do that during college. Um, but he can do basically everything else. I'm, I'm most interested to see if he'll play defense. I think the surrounding pieces around him are pretty good at defense. So I'm not sure he even needs to. I'd like him to. I think that raises his ceiling as a player. But I think he could fall into a lull again where he doesn't. Also, I just think he's going to have this, his the ball in his hands all season long. Like, I think he will be the primary shot taker, creator. I think they're just going to let it be his team the entire season. I would put money down for him being rookie of the year. That's interesting. Um, I'm leaning towards Jabari, Okay. Um, but I definitely get it. The thing about the magic that's interesting is Cole Anthony and Markel Fultz and Franz Wagner are three dudes who like having the ball in their hands a good amount. Um, Markel Fultz, really good at running a half court offense. Cole Anthony was explosive last year. Um, Franz Wagner was also excellent. So I'm wondering, you know, Paolo's got really good passing instinct. He does. So if this is a situation where they just give all those guys all their own opportunities and let the ball flow, 
Um, I think it could work pretty well as long as it doesn't stick too much in Paolo's hands and he's driving and making quick decisions with it. I think that could be a pretty good call letting him run the show. Yeah, I, I think that's going to be their offensive strategy. Just let Paolo run basically everything and yeah. just like let him take his lumps and learn the game. Um, so me and you both love that pick. Um, I think Orlando's in a very good spot. Moving on to OKC, this is probably one of my favorite picks of the night. Chet Holmgren going number two. Um, he is number one on my like board in terms of just like best players available. So I kind of said this last pod, he kind of forced his way to OKC. He didn't want to play for Orlando. And I just think he lands in a perfect situation. And I don't really have anything bad to say about this pick. No, to be honest, I don't blame Chet for not wanting to go to the Magic. Yeah. Um, OKC is a really cool young team. They drafted some other interesting guys later in the draft. Um, I think it's the right spot for Chet. He could also be a rookie of the year. They're going to let him do a lot. I think they're going to give him a pretty free reign to do what he wants. Um, awesome shot blocker, awesome three-point maker. Really, really going to be interesting to see how they use him on defense because he's more of a weak side guy and they don't really have a big body there at center. Um, but all in all, love the pick. What's interesting with him is he kind of I, – I disagree with the Evan Mobley comparisons, but I think his role will be similar to Mobley for the Cavs last year. Like Mobley came in and was instantly the third option on the team or even fourth before Colin Sexton got hurt. And I think the same thing happens to Chet. Like, they're going to let Giddy handle the ball. They're going to let SGA handle the ball. Dort likes to shoot. Like, I feel like people don't realize he likes to take shots. Um, I think Chet is low-key going to be pushed to the background. It's going to be, like, how efficient can he be? How many ball-handling touches does he get? I think he's going to be amazing as a rookie. I think he's going to change stuff in OKC, like, defensively and just how the ball moves and stuff. But I'm interested in his role. I love the pick, though. I'd like them to empower him. But no matter what they do, I love the pick. I uh, Yeah, that's the biggest thing for me is I want to see him be empowered. He had some months at Gonzaga where his true shooting was like 70%, like something yeah. ridiculous because he was only given dump offs and like the occasional transition three. Um, he wasn't really – they weren't letting him do a whole lot. And I think Chet can do a lot. Um, but I think you're probably right. Shea's going to be the dude running the offense for the most part. Giddy's going to do that as well. So he'll at least be the third guy when it comes to ball handling duties. Um, and Lou Dort's not like a handler, ball handler or anything, but he will take his shots. I think you're right. Chet's probably just going to have a ridiculously efficient season with a lot of blocks, but we're not going to see him taking like 14 shots a game. Yeah, I don't think so. And I think this is going to be like a trial and error year for him as well. Like we saw, I, I know we joke because him and Pokusevsky look alike kind of, but it's it's going to be a lot of like, let's just see what this dude can do here and there. Um, so we'll see some flashes from him. But overall, I think we both love that pick as well. Definitely. Moving on to the Rockets, they selected Jabari Smith Jr., um, who we both loved as well. Uh, you were you were starting to slide on him a little bit, but I think that was in part because he was rumored to go number one. Um, I know you like Jabari. Speak about what you think about Jabari going to Houston. It's an interesting pick for Houston. Um, Jabari Smith, We, I mean, we've been saying this, but if this is your first time listening, Jabari Smith's knock is that he can't create for himself. Um, he can one dribble into a pull-up, one dribble into like a spin or a fadeaway. But if you want him to drive to the hoop with the ball in his hands, he's not really effective at that. Um, he's going to come in and be the most efficient shooting rookie immediately. Um, 
and the defense is going to be there. The thing that I'm worried about with Houston is there isn't really a facilitator. Kevin Porter Jr. is the sort of dude who will get assists if he sees wide open cuts to the basket. And if there's like four seconds left on the shot clock, he'll fling it out to somebody else to shoot. Um, but he is not this like incredibly high uh, IQ sick passer that some of his stats might show. Um, Jalen Green, also not a dude that looks to pass the ball. So I wanted a dude, I wanted Jabari to go to a team where he could get the ball in his spots and he could get a dude who would help put it there, like on the Magic. Um, you know, Franz Wagner and Markel Fultz would have been that guy. I don't see that guy on the Rockets. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think from a fit perspective for Jabari, it's a little clunky. Um, but I see him, I think one positive aspect about it is Jalen green is so dynamic getting to the rim. If he does improve on his playmaking and he perfects the kickout pass to the corners or to the wing, I mean, that's Jabari's bread and butter. He's just going to spot up and shoot 45% from three. So if Jalen green hasn't been working on his playmaking, which he has vocalized that he has been, I mean, that's a pretty nice fit also just for the organization. I feel like Jabari is such a good player to build around in terms of like he fits with any type of roster like any set of players you have he fits in and I think selecting Jabari and having Jalen Smith uh Jalen Green pardon me just makes it easier to build their roster here on out like in the next draft and the draft after that like it's so easy to put pieces around it so I, I like the pick I I obviously think Paolo and Jalen Green would have been a ridiculous combo just offensively like having two guys that are going to be bona fide 20 point per game scorers paired up uh, would have been nice, but I, I like this pick as well. I do too. It's not often you're able to grab a guy with Jabari Smith's shooting ability. So, you know, like offensive potential wise, if you could get a facilitator or if Jalen Green is actually that guy, Jabari's going to get his open looks because Jalen Green's a dude you have to double. Um, and I think being on the Rockets and the fact that they're still not trying to win yet, yeah. Jabari's going to get his opportunities to ball handle. And they might just throw him into the fire and see what he can do. He doesn't have good stop and start moves. He doesn't have crossovers to get by people, but he is 6'10, 220. All he really needs is a couple back down dribbles into like a fadeaway or a pull up. Yeah. Um, he can just live around the perimeter. So, you know, Jalen Green being explosive at the hoop, Kevin Porter Jr. can get his moves at the hoop. Uh-huh. Uh, Jabari just sticking to the perimeter and taking you know, a ridiculous amount of threes and deep twos every game, I think might work for them. Yeah, I think so too. I, and just, we didn't even mention his defense. Like he's yeah. going to add defense to this team that just has not been there for the last two years. And Usman Garuba was basically hurt all last year and he was known as a great defender. So we're going to start seeing a little bit more defense coming into this team and with some picks later on in the first round that they had, will help that as well. There's um, a reason to be excited about that. Certainly. I think uh, I think Houston's in a very good spot. I do too. Speaking of excited, I I want you to take the floor here for the Kings drafting Keegan Murray number four. Um, I don't know. So everybody basically in any mock draft you look at is going to have the same five guys in the top five, whole bunch of different orders. Um, but I think the consensus around the NBA was that Jaden Ivey is the better pick over Keegan Murray. Keegan Murray's got a really high floor. He's six eight. Um, but we were both crossing our fingers and hoping that the Kings did not take Jaden Ivey and we were, we got it. Yeah. I was so excited. I instantly texted you like, yes, yes, yes. Because 
I've been saying for months that Jaden Ivey and Cade Cunningham would be a perfect fit together. Um, they can take turns. I guess we'll do four and five together right now, but you know, for the Pistons side of things, you have two ball handlers that can take turns for the Sacramento side of things. It's weird because I actually like the pick. I'm not opposed to selecting Keegan Murray. I think he's going to be a good player. Mm. Like if he ends up averaging, you know, 17 and eight rebounds for a career or like when he's at the peak of his powers, that's still like a very, very effective player. Um, But it just, Jaden Ivey's clearly the better prospect in my opinion, but they're just in a weird spot because they have De'Aaron Fox. They drafted Davian Mitchell. They drafted Tyrese Halliburton and traded him. They couldn't go back to the well, even though I think I might've just because Jaden Ivey's pretty great, or I would have traded the pick. That that's what I, I expected them to trade out of it. I was a little shocked that they kept it. Um, but yeah, Keegan Murray, I, I think he'll be fine. It's a little bit, I think Kings fans are probably a little bit sad though, that they don't get Jaden Ivey. Yeah. Jaden Ivey's definitely got the higher ceiling. Um, Keegan Murray is a better pick for fit, which is a tough thing to justify. It always is taking a fit pick instead of the best player available. Um, but Keegan Murray can do it all. He's six, eight. He's a pretty big body. He can score inside pretty well. He, I think last year was a 40% three point shooter in college. Um, so, you know, you give him a small role, you don't make him the man and you just give him his looks. He will be a good, efficient shooter from everywhere. Um, he's not like all defense, but he puts in effort and he's big enough and mobile enough that he can guard guys. There's really nothing that Keegan Murray does poorly. Um, he's just a low ceiling guy. And, you know, we said that when the Kings took Halliburton, we said, this is a dude with a really high floor. Who's not going to improve very much. And we've been proven wrong. So, you know, I like the Keegan Murray pick to the Kings, but I'm just so happy that Jaden Ivey got to go to the Pistons because Jaden Ivey and Cade together are going to be a sick pairing. And then you got Sadiq Bay also on the wing for catch and shoot options. Yeah. Um, you know, both of those teams really got the right guy. I think so too. And I think we talk about Detroit's fit with those two guards and how perfect that's going to be. Keegan Murray next to Sabonis is actually a wonderful fit too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sabonis loves running offense out of the high post and just from the low post. And Keegan Murray is a guy who's capable of shooting open three points, uh, three point shots. Like if Sabonis is getting doubled, he can kick out to Murray and feel comfortable that it's going to go in. Uh, we were just talking about it. He shot 40% from three in college. That That's pretty great. Um, so that fits pretty awesome as well. And he's a switchable defender. So even though I think Kings fans are probably a little bit sad this morning, I think there's definitely reasons to be optimistic just because he's such a nice fit there. And I know Detroit fans are fucking pumped, pumped that they got Ivy. Like we're talking and we have one of these athletes every year, just one. And Jaden Ivy is the like a freak show athlete, just a runaway freight train. He's going to detonate on people. He's going to bring people into the building. And I've been saying it like just that pairing for the next decade for Detroit. Like what, how much fun is that going to be to watch? Oh yeah. Especially when we go later in the list into some other guys that they took. Um, I'm very excited to watch Detroit next year because who knows how many wins they get. It might be like similar to the amount that they got this year, but they're going to be a fun ass team to watch. Yeah. Um, Uh, I'm, I'm moving to number six here. This is my guy. 
I have been banging this drum since the draft process started that Ben Matherin is going to be a star and he should go as high as he possibly can. And the Pacers took him number six. And I'm really happy that the Pacers took him number six. Him and Halliburton together is going to be a fun, fun guard pairing. Because yeah. um, Tyrese Halliburton is one of the best young passers that we have. And Ben Matherin is excellent at catch and shoot and he's excellent at catch and go. Um, so you put them next to each other and he's going to have an excellent season. And I'm really, really happy about this. Yeah. And Matherin just strikes me as a guy who really wants it too. like, he's just going to try his ass off and he's, I think he's going to play defense because Halliburton's Halliburton's a crafty defender. Like he's just hard to get by and he, he has great hands. He's not like staying in front of everyone, but him and Matherin, that's like a decent defensive backcourt. I think he didn't, sh- Ben Matherin showed it in flashes in college. Like he could really lock guys up here and there. Um, but just as an explosive athlete next to Halliburton, who's a little herky jerky. I, I love that pairing and just the three point shooting from both of them. Halliburton is an uber efficient three point shooter. And Matherin is like a very good three point shooter in all walks of life. We talked about this the last podcast, like uh, spot up off pin downs, wide open catch and shoots, like, Anything he does from the three-point line is above average. So having a guy who can set him up, it's just going to be a really fun pairing. That team should be a league pass sleeper. I think people are really going to enjoy watching the Pacers next year. I totally agree, dude. And I think they really needed this. I think they needed some excitement in the building because I'm pretty sure they were 30th in terms of attendance uh, last year. They were. Um, So, you know, Ben Matherin is 6'6", Tyrese Halliburton 6'5". They're big guards. Tyrese yep. Halliburton is not locking a dude up. He's not sitting in a chair. But if you got him as like a weak side guy on the opposite wing, he reads passing lanes better than most guys in the league. And I, I you know, we saw it. You said it. Ben Matherin shows defense and spurts. Um, but I think put him in the NBA and he's going to be able to lock up some guys. I really out of the outside the top five, Ben Matherin is my guy that I think is going to be a star. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad he landed there, too. It just seems like a nice spot for him. Um, moving on to Portland's pick, I've changed my mind on Shaden Sharp, I think, a hundred million times. Um, I am all bought in now. <laughs> Last podcast, I was here saying I was contemplating putting him as roster filler. I think he's going to be a star. I think it's going to take a while. Um, there's something to be said about guys who just make buckets, no matter how heavily they're guarded. Um but he is a ball hog and that does drive me a little bit crazy, but I mean, he's going to be with Dame. He's going to be with Simons. Like he's not going to be able to ball hog. I don't think uh, they're, they're going to force him to pass or they just won't play him. I don't like, if he's not helping Dame get closer to a championship, they're not going to play him. I wouldn't be shocked to see him in the G league a little bit this year. Um, but yeah, Shaden sharp to Portland, I think is an awesome play like home run swing. Right. Cause it's kind of make or break this year. I feel like for Dame, it feels that way to me, at least. Like, if they don't prove that they're heading in the right direction, he'll probably ask out, or that's the way I'm reading the situation. Um, so, Shaden Sharp's kind of like a backup plan. If Dame goes, you have a guy that's an electric scorer with a really high ceiling in the back line. I, I just really, really liked this pick. Man, I'm with you in the sense that I have gone back and forth with Shaden Sharp a million yeah. times. <laughs> Um, because you're right. His scoring potential is real. We've only seen it in high school. We've only seen it against 18 and under, uh, like people. So who knows if he would have been ready for Kentucky? The here's the thing. 
it wasn't just that Shaden Sharp sat out this year to get ready for the draft. He reclassified. So if the draft wasn't in the cards for him this year, he would have gone, he would have played at Kentucky next year and he likely would have been a top five pick next year. Um, so it's not like he was just like, ah, oh, man, I just don't want to play. Um, he was preparing for the draft and he was going to play next year if the draft wasn't in the cards for him. So we know he's sick offensively. We know that he can score from anywhere and he's got so many moves. He is a ridiculous athlete. He can finish really well at the hoop, but can he actually impact winning in the NBA is a question that nobody has the answer to. Nobody. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about this pick. I agree. It's the perfect pick for the Portland because I think Dame is on his way out. Um, I think this year they're going to try to see if they have something with them. And just with the strength of the Warriors and the Clippers and the Nuggets, I don't see Portland doing anything to become championship contending. Um, So if he leaves and you got Anthony Simons and Shaden Sharp, those are two sick. Those could be two sick offensive players to build around for the future. Yeah, I think the one home run swing that the Portland Trailblazers could take to become a championship contender would be getting Rudy Gobert. Me and you have talked about this. It feels like since we started the podcast. Um, But going back to another reason why I like the Shaden Sharp pick is Mike Schmitz from ESPN, who is like a draft genius, in my opinion. I really like all of his stuff. And he follows these kids since they're like 13, like evaluating what they're good at and what they improve on. It's, it's crazy how deep he goes. Um, he just got hired by the Portland Trailblazers and he helped make, make, make the selection of Shaden Sharp. And I just trust Mike Schmitz. I know this is like a deep cut, but I think it, I think it's going to work out. I have faith. Yeah. It all depends on, uh, can he do things other than scoring? I mean, and honestly, can he score against NBA talent? I said this and I think I'm going to stick to it. I think he's going to have a rough rookie year. Um, I think it's hard to expect anything less from a dude who didn't play in college and didn't really play against any kind of intense organized basketball the last year and a half. Um, but you know, hold on to him for two or three years. I think he will start to show those flashes. I want to see more from him other than just six scoring though. I'm excited for summer league with him. I'm just, I'm intrigued. Um, next pick. We both love this one. Cause we've talked about it for a few weeks. Dyson Daniels to the Pelicans. We don't have to go too deep on this one because we've talked about it so much already, but just a super versatile defender, uh, really good playmaker, probably the best playmaker in the draft. Um, just can't shoot, but we've talked about it. New Orleans has the best shooting coach in the entire league. So uh, what are your thoughts? Quick thoughts. I mean, you, you just said it all six, seven, Really smart defender. Uh, he can run an offense really well. He is, if you like all the stuff that Derek White does um, besides shooting, he is a lot of that, but he's six seven, So he doesn't make dumb decisions with the ball. He doesn't do careless turnovers. He just also cannot shoot to save his life. Um, but he rose up draft boards, and I think he really impressed people during the combine. I think some pre-workout stuff he was doing with some teams really impressed people. And you're right, New Orleans has got the best shooting coach in the NBA. So if there was a team for him to go to to unlock his shooting, it is New Orleans. Absolutely. Uh, Moving on to, I think, my favorite player in the draft. It's either between Sochan or Chet. But, yeah, Jeremy Sochan uh, to the Spurs. Uh, This was, even though he's one of my favorite players, this was the first pick that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, I really liked how the picks laid out until this point. 
the Spurs have a bunch of C plus players and they don't really have anyone who's a bucket getter. And Sohan is not a bucket getter. That is the only thing he doesn't do. Um, so when they added him to the mix, I was kind of just confused on like what his role would be for the team. He's going to be a winning player no matter where he goes. So he's going to help this team win. But I wish he went to a different team so we could see him in a more prolific role. Cause I'm just conf- like with Keldon Johnson and like Jakob Pertle, like those two are going to stay around. Like, is he going to be an off the bench small ball five? Or like, is he like, what is, I just want him to be used correctly. And it scares me because this team doesn't have a ton of shooting. So the spacing is probably going to be a little weird for Sohan. Um, what, what were your thoughts for this pick? At first, I wasn't sure, but I think I'm happy about this. I think okay. I am. Um, okay. I, I don't know if I've got rose-colored glasses on and I watched the Spurs turn Kawhi into this amazing offensive player. Yeah. Because he was not when he entered the league. Um, he was really, you know, comparable to Sohan in the way that he was just an incredible defender who did not have shooting touch. Um, so if they could do something like that, that's a big ask. It's a gigantic ask. Um, but Jeremy Sohan is going to be one of the best defenders in this draft. And so if, and he's a God awful shooter, like miserable, miserable shooter. So if you might need to retool his shot form entirely, um, but if you can turn him into a good shooter, I like the pick a lot. I think having DeJounte Murray, Jeremy Sohan, and Jakob Pertle on the floor at the same time, that defense is going to be smothering. Um, but that's the thing is just there's not a lot of shooting. Uh, they took Malachi Branham later, and we'll get to that. So I think having him out the, on the floor at the same time is going to be nice. But Lonnie Walker is not a crazy good shooter. Keldon Johnson can hit some, but he's not a crazy good shooter. So they will need some spacing. Yeah, I uh, that's uh, funny you mentioned Kawhi. I did think of that when he was drafted, but then I remind myself it's like Kawhi is literally a top 30 player of all time. Like this is one of the rarest players we'll ever see in the NBA. Right. So like, is this a thing that's, you know, that we can duplicate here? Uh, it it would, the, it's on the downside. Like it's not a very likely thing that would happen. Um, but I mean, the Spurs have shown that they're not afraid to choose these defensive first guys and try to round out their offensive skill set um, instead of the other way around. So it all comes down can, to can they help him hit spot up shots? If he can turn himself into a Grant Williams type shooter where he just sits in the corner and then impacts the game on every other level and then hits open threes, I think that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. I am like, I am just, this is the first pick that I didn't love the fit between prospect and team. Yeah, I get it. Um, if you're the Spurs, I think you need to take a home run swing. Who would you rather they went out and took? That's the thing. That's the thing. I think he is the best player available at yeah. this spot. So it's kind of just like, I understand why they did it. Cause he's going to impact winning. And he is a, like I will put my stamp of approval. He is a guaranteed above average role player, no matter what, throughout his career. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think it'll be fine. They'll figure it out. The Spurs are a very smart organization. Like they, they'll definitely figure it out. But I wish he could have gone maybe somewhere else. But yeah, I, I I'm just hoping his offense progresses a little bit. Um, you know, they got Josh Primo as a young guy. He might be able to be a spacer eventually. So it could work out, but it isn't 
iffy pick. It wasn't, you know, the perfect fit for Sohan. Um, um, moving on, though, the Wizards, number 10, drafting Johnny Davis. I like this a lot because if you're keeping Bradley Beal and you're deciding, like, we want to be competitive for some reason, Johnny Davis helps you with that. And if you're deciding we're getting rid of Bradley Beal, we're moving on from Chris Stops, and we're retooling and we're rebuilding, Johnny Davis helps with that. Um, he's an absolute dog, sick defender. Uh, they asked him in Wisconsin to guard the best player on the opposite team and then go down and be our number one scoring option. And he did it. Not crazy efficiently, um, but he did it. And he, he, do, he does basically whatever a team asks him to do. I like this pick a lot. Yeah, I, I like this pick, too. Um, and I've been doing a little bit more Johnny Davis research, and he kind of reminds me of Jalen Suggs a little bit, which is interesting, like less playmaking, a little more shooting. But mm. it, they're I think they're similar players. They're kind of like corked up athletes, like they're a little bit shorter, but they go to the rim with like some real power. Um, yeah, I like Davis. Uh, like you said, he's like whatever direction they choose, he kind of helps with that. Like if he's paired with Bradley Beal, he can defend the better guard that night and he can just, you know, penetrate instead of the perimeter shooting with Beal. And then if they choose to blow it up, I think he's a decent guy to have on your team just as a guy who knows how to put the load of a team on his back. So, yeah, no complaints here from the Wizards. Totally agreed. Uh, this next pick is a little funny. The Knicks got rid of their pick. First, they traded to take Jalen Duran, and then they decided to trade Jalen Duran and Kemba away to Detroit. But with the 11th pick, they traded it to OKC and OKC took Uzman Jang. Yeah. Um, I think this is perfect. Yes. Um, Uzman Jang is a prospect. He is not a great NBA player. He is a great prospect. Um, he has got really good dribbling ability for a dude at 6'10. He is, I've been calling him a great shot creator and a bad shot maker. Yeah. Um, and I think that's fair, but he can run a pick and roll pretty well. And he's got a seven foot wingspan. So if you put him in the G League for a little bit, you let him play with these young guys on OKC, I think they all make each other better. I think this is a good landing spot for Usman Jang. I'm right there with you. The OKC Thunder have no intention of winning anytime soon. They don't need Jang to become a great player in the next year or two. They just don't. Um, I think sitting in the G League would be great for him. And ever since I said it, I can't really get it out of my head. If he can be like a supersized plus Joe Ingles, I think that's a great pick at pick 11 because um, the way he can ball handle at the size he is and just play make for others. He, he's definitely a promising prospect. Like you said, though, like he's a great prospect, not a good basketball player. Um, you can look at all the numbers and there's really not a single statistic that screams out. I'm going to be an efficient basketball player, but there are a few games where he looks like he could be like a top five pick. So I'm totally fine with this home run swing. Presti knows what he's doing, I believe, in the pick. Yeah, Sam Presti has the green light to take whoever the hell he wants always. Yeah. Um, the wingspan of the guys that they've drafted is a little ridiculous, and I'll just you know transition right now into Jalen Williams. Jalen Williams is 6'6 with a 7'2 wingspan. Um, he can touch his knees standing. He's, you know, ridiculous long arms. He is a guard from Santa Clara. He was the number one scoring option and he was the number one assist leader on the team for two years straight. Yeah. Um, I see him fitting, filling a kind of Gordon Hayward role of like, you know, not the number one or number two option, but scores really efficiently and then makes really good hockey assists and really smart passes all the time. Um, the length that OKC is getting is crazy. 
I don't know how well it's going to work. I don't know where you even slot Jalen Williams. Is he a two? Is he a three? Um, but the length is crazy, and I'm really, really hopeful for OKC moving forward. This is a really good draft. Yeah, I love this pick. I think he's going to be a really good glue guy in the NBA. I don't think he's going to pop out as a star. I just think he's a guy you could put on basically any team and it would work out. Um, He showed that he's an efficient scorer. He shows that he can run the pick and roll and make effective passes and take care of the ball. He's shown that he can defend and he has he has the defensive potential to be like an exceptional defender. Just the length alone can put him in a category of like a very rare group if he puts effort in on that end. Um, I I really like what OKC did. This is their last pick in the first round. Um, And if you look at Chet, uh, Ujmani Jang, and Jalen Williams, I mean, that's that's like a very unique draft. And you brought up the length. Like all these guys are – the wingspans are ridiculous. and I feel like Jalen Williams is a pretty safe pick to me. Like, I feel like I know what he's going to be. He's going to be a, a good role player. You don't have to worry too much about him. Same thing with Chet. Like, I kind of know he's going to be good. So I like that they got talent on the team, but also took a home run swing with Shang. I agree. Yeah, Jalen Williams is – it's interesting that you call him a safe pick because I agree. Um, but I did not see him going 12th. I didn't see him being a lottery guy. Uh, When the college season ended, he was like a mid second rounder. And then people looked at the tools and they looked at, you know, his build and his athleticism and the passing. And he flew up draft boards. Um, Picking him at 12 is crazy, but I really have no issue with that pick. I'm just really surprised to see him be a lottery guy. Yeah. And I think there's so much value in having a guy that can pass but doesn't need the ball in his hand every single possession like you know when he has the ball he can make smart plays but he's not running 50 pick and rolls a game like that is I think extremely valuable that's why I think he's such a good fit next to Gideon SGA because it's like he can pass when he needs to but he's he's not gonna have the ball in his hands all the time so I I loved that pick I totally agree uh Jalen Duran got picked number 13th the Hornets drafted him and then traded him to Detroit in a three-team trade um, Detroit is exciting, man. Really, really exciting. Jalen Duran is the most explosive athlete in this draft. Um, maybe it's Jaden Ivy, but Jalen Duran is 6'10, and the way he gets up off the floor to block shots is ridiculous. The way he rim rolls for alley oops is ridiculous. Uh, him, Cade, Jaden Ivy together are a fun, fun pairing, man. I'm really excited for Jalen Dern. I love this pick. Absolutely love this pick. Um, I was saying, you know, for the Ivy pick, like they need an athlete so badly. That's why Jaden Ivy will be such a great pick because they have a whole bunch of guys who can barely jump off the ground. Um, you had Ivy and Duran in the same draft, probably the two best athletes in the entire draft. And Cade needed a lob threat. Like Beef Stew, Isaiah Stewart, he's fine. He's like a bench big. He should be a career bench big. He's a good player. He'll help a winning team like go, go farther in the playoffs. I believe that. Jalen Duran has a higher ceiling, is just a better player immediately, in my opinion. Um, this is a guy who's going to be able to sky for alley-oops, block shots, rebound the hell out of the ball. Um, and I just think Cade running the pick and roll with this guy is going to be so fun to watch. Yeah, the thing I'm really interested to see is how mobile is he? How well can he really move? Because I was seeing some BAM comparisons 
um, mm-hmm. defensively. And I don't – Bam is a one-of-a-kind guy when it comes to switching on to perimeter players. Yeah. Um, I don't expect that from Jalen Duran. But if we see some sort of mobileness from him, I'll be really, really impressed. But as a, just a paint presence, as just a dude, an interior shot blocker on the weak side, um, he's going to destroy some teams. I think he moves well for a guy of his size, for sure. I think comparing anyone to Bam is a little ridiculous. Bam's such a unique defender. I think, like, in terms of big guys that can stay on the perimeter, it's literally Giannis, Bam, and, like, Evan Mobley. Th- those are, like, the guys that could stick outside like that. Um Jalen Durant can hold his own, though, and that's really all that matters, especially at 6'11", 250. The way he can move is pretty pretty crazy. Um, this is one of my favorite picks of the draft, and because this is the Pistons' last pick, like I think they nailed this. If we were doing draft grades, this is like an A++. I agree. The Pistons had an excellent draft. Um, so did the Thunder. We don't see any more first-round picks, I don't think, from them, but they both really killed it. Uh, I'm going to give you the floor here. The Cavaliers yeah. draft Ochai Baji, senior from Kansas. Yeah. Uh, he was my mock draft guy when we did this mock draft for the lottery early, and then you talked me out of it pretty quickly. Uh, and then they went and drafted him. To Give me your thoughts. I'm a little bummed, honestly. I am. I'm a little bummed. Um, there's nothing against Ochai Baji. Um, I've heard some interesting things about him this morning. Uh, a lot of Kansas fans feel that you know, when you needed just a little bit more from him, he would kind of just give you what he gives you every night. It's similar to kind of Andrew Wiggins, where it's kind of like, Andrew, we need you to score 32 tonight. And he'd give you 17. And you're just like, all right, well, it's awesome that you score 17 points per game, but we needed the 32 tonight. Um, I don't love that for my Cavs. Um, he's a good defender and that's awesome. I don't think that's what the Cavs should be focusing on because you literally have two all defense big men on your team already. There should be no, like, there's no reason to emphasize defense anymore. Um, you're, you're looking for guys who can create and can, who can score. And that's, that's what we need on the team right now. Um, I think the one thing I am positive about is I think he'll fit into the system right away, just like the buy-in and like the trying really hard and playing his ass off. I see that happening. Um, but I don't know. A lot of Cavs fans are speculating this means they're getting rid of Colin Sexton, this pick. I don't love that. Um, not a huge fan of that. But I don't know. I don't know how I feel. I'm a, I'm a little bummed. I really wanted Branham. I really wanted Branham. Yeah, Malachi Branham was available. A.J. Griffin was available. A.J. Griffin was available. And I texted you that, too. When I saw Griffin was available here, I was like, all right, this is a no-brainer. Like, this guy was getting mocked at seven two days ago. You got to grab him if he's here. I don't care about the injury concerns at this point, especially when the Cavs need a three so badly. They need Um, a wing who can score, man. They need a wing who can hit threes, Um, you know, because – None of their guys can stay healthy. The thing I will say about Ochai Baji is you look at the bench, you look at like the 10 man roster that Cleveland runs and he's better than Dean Wade. He's better than Lamar Stevens. He's probably better than Isaac Okoro. Um, yeah. Yes. Yes. He is. He brings a lot more than most of the guys on the Cavs bench. Um, high floor. Certainly he's like 22 or 21. So he's got, he's ready to go. Um, I think he shot 40 or 41% from three his last year at Kansas. So he does some things that you're happy with and he plays great defense. He does some things you're happy with. I don't think 
the thing I said uh, when we were talking about it last episode was wherever he goes, absolutely nobody is going to be like, oh, fuck yeah, we got Ochai Baji. Right. <laughs> He's not like this home run swing or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but just as a plus player, He's better than some of the guys the Cavs are giving minutes to now. Um, and I do think it means they're moving on from Sexton. And I'm not, I'm okay with that. Sexton will get some value. As long as you get something good back from him, um, I'm okay with that move. Yeah, I, I'm not. Just because Isaac Okoro, I don't have a lot of belief in. I love basically every player on the Cavs roster. You've heard me defend Dean Wade and Chetty Osman like hardcore. Mm-hmm. Um, Isaac Okoro is the one player I haven't really been able to get behind. Um, I really, really like his defensive effort, but boy, it really feels like he does nothing out there on offense. Very similar to like Grant Williams of two years ago, where like his stat line would be like zero, five and one. And you were just like, you played 30 minutes tonight. And that's, that's what you could give the team. A lot of cardio. Yeah. Yeah. Just a lot of cardio. And I was just like, if Colin Sexton's gone, that means Isaac Okoro is getting his playing time. And I, I want less of Okoro. Um, so this, it's an interesting pick. Um, I'm not super pumped about it, but you know, I think he's going to fit in. So can't, can't complain too much. It's not like he's going to be a bust. It's not like he's going to be a bad NBA player. It's just like if you have AJ Griffin still available, who hit like 47% from three um, in his year at Duke, what are you doing if you have a, such a need for a wing who can score? Uh, Lowry Markinen cannot stay healthy. I love what he does when he's at his best, but if he's only playing 35 games for you, like you need wings. Um, and that's my thing when I was, we both texted each other, like fuck back and forth as soon as this pick happened. Cause we just did not, there could have been better options. And I think, you know, it's weird. It's the, the injury issues with Laurie Markkinen might've been why they stayed away from AJ Griffin. My because AJ Griffin has an injury history, but the talent is so much better, um, that me personally, I wouldn't have cared. Um, but hey, we'll see, man. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Moving on to number 15, the Hornets drafted Mark Williams. This has been written in stone since the draft process started. Hornets have been without a big man for a very long time. Uh, Mark Williams is an incredible big man when it comes to protecting the paint. Not a dude you want switching out on anybody. He's going to be drop coverage. He's going to be, you know, Brooke Lopez defense. Um, but as a paint presence, he's awesome. I'm, I'm not <clears throat> sure how I feel about the Hornets trading number 13 and just getting rid of that pick for like four second rounders in the future. Um, but drafting Mark Williams here was absolutely the right call. Yeah. And Mark Williams, I just found this out yesterday. He has a nine foot nine standing reach, mm-hmm. which is the longest in NBA history. So we are talking about like one of the most lengthy players to ever walk into the NBA. Yeah. Um, that fits perfectly with the Hornets because they are desperate for length. They are desperate for rim protection. And this also gives LaMelo like another alley-oop partner other than Miles Bridges. Like Lob City is coming up for the Hornets next year. It is. Speaking of that, though, Jalen Duran was the dude they picked at 13. If you yeah. want a lob threat, if you want an explosive lob threat, you traded him away. This is my thing, though. I think Mark Williams has a way lower ceiling but will be the more consistent player 
right away. Like, I think Mark Williams walks into the league as an, a center that can play 30 minutes for you a night. Jalen Duren, he can do that, but is he giving you a good 30 minutes every night? Probably not. We're going to see some ups and downs with Duren with obviously the higher ceiling. I think Mark Williams is the safer player. I think you're right there. Mark Williams has really good hands as well. Um, he does not fumble passes. I like this. I like putting him next to LaMelo a lot. I have absolutely no problems with this pick. I just thought it was interesting that they drafted an explosive center in Jalen Duren and then just got rid of him. Yeah. Uh, we've been talking about that pick for months, like literal months, because it's such a perfect fit. Um, so let's move on to AJ Griffin to the Hawks. I like this pick a lot. Um, they, If he can improve on defense and provide the shooting that he's obviously shown us throughout college, him next to DeAndre Hunter and Clint Capella and Trey Young and like Bogdan Bogdanovich or Boyan Bogdanovich, I forget which one. Um, that's just a ton of three-point shooting. And I know offense isn't the issue there because they had the number one ranked offense last season and it's the defense that needs to be improved. But I think at this spot in the draft at 16, you can get a player that was being mocked to the Kings at five or the Blazers at seven, all the way at 16, just because of some injury concerns. I think you have to take this swing. The value here is crazy. Yeah. Ridiculous. And the Hawks have shown that they do not need more defense. They do not care about more defense. They will be the best offensive team in basketball, and they'll hope that that's enough. Um, and so, you know, with that being said, A.J. Griffin is a great pick. He is not this all-defensive guy, but, you know, out of the five-man roster that the Hawks are going to run at any point in time, A.J. Griffin is not going to be a guy you could target defensively. Um, Bogdan Bogdanovich is not a good defender, and we all know what Trey can't do. Um, but A.J. Griffin is going to be their ideal 3 and D guy. Uh, passable defense for what the Hawks want, and then just ridiculous three-point shooting. He is a versatile shooter. He can do it off the dribble, off the catch, pin downs. Um, I really like this pick, and especially since you don't know what you're doing with your forwards. You don't know, like, is John Collins going to stay on the team? Like, where? how do we fill that gap? How do we fill that offense? Uh, A.J. Griffin is going to add a lot of three-point shooting. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of a no-brainer pick where you are at the where you are in the draft. At, yeah, at, crazy value outside of the lottery. It, it's that pick could really end up looking like a steal if he manages to stay healthy. Um, moving on to Houston's second first-round pick, Tari Eason. Really like this pick. Really, really like this pick. Super versatile player. Uh, great defender at the college level. He had two steals and a block per game. That's really good stuff. Um, you put that next to Jabari Smith, who's also a really good defender. And we're talking like we're talking about a defense here. That's kind of what I was alluding to earlier. You bring in two really good college defenders to put on a team that was just quite honestly like abysmal at defense last year. Like no effort, no, no will to try. Um, and now you have two of these guys who want to defend out there on the wing. Yeah, this is a great pick. Tari Eason is like when it comes to just impact. Tari Eason's one of the most impactful, most winning players that exists outside the lottery. Um, I love this pick a lot. The two steals and a block per game was in 24 minutes. Um, so his defensive potential is unmatched. And he was a six scorer too in those minutes. Um, 80% from the free throw line. He gets to the free throw line a good amount. Um, who knows if the three point shooting will come because it was, you know, just about average in college, but 
all the stuff he gives you being just an average three-point shooter, I have no issue with this pick whatsoever. Alperin Shangun is not a dude who defends well, so surrounding him with Jabari and Tari Eason is going to be a really good move. And then you got some really good defenders. Jay Sean Tate tries his ass off. Uh, Kenyon Martin Jr. tries his ass off. I think the move had to be surrounding Jalen Green with really good defenders, and they did that. Yeah, and if your starting lineup is, you know, Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, Eric Gordon, and then you can have Jabari Smith at the four and Shen Goon at five, but you can put in Tari Eason or Kenyon uh, Martin Jr. and these Usman Garuba, these guys who actually, Jay Sean Tate, care about defense – Like, you can start doing something there. You can start creating an identity. I I really liked that pick a lot. Yeah, we're running out of teams that don't have futures. We're running out of teams that are just absolute dog shit, like no plan, no goals. Like, every team you can look at and you can understand where they're going. Houston was in no man's land for a little bit, but you can see the path that they're trying to make to becoming a good team again. Yeah, and I think both of us recognize there's still going to be dog shit next year. But, you know, if they land a top two pick, then I think they're making the play-in game the next year. You know what I'm saying? Like there are clear stepping stones to this team that are being laid out right now. And the roster is really filling out with depth and stuff like that. If they just add one more bona fide player, I mean, this is a team that's going to start putting their name in the ring again to be a play-in team or maybe even a playoff team, not so far in the future. I totally agree. Um, This next pick, me and you don't know a lot about Dalen Terry. Yeah. went much higher than people projected him to go. There were some mock drafts having him as like a early second. Um, the highest I saw was like 21, 22, but he went 18th. Um, or yeah, he went 18th to the Bulls. The Bulls needed big guards. They need, you know, insurance options for Lonzo because Lonzo can never stay healthy. Zach Levine's probably going to resign. So it's not like you need to fill that gap or anything. Um, but they just, they were not, they didn't have a lot of big guys. Um, Patrick Williams. I love, he didn't stay healthy. So getting a guy at Dalen Terry, six, seven, one ninety-five, who is good at not turning the ball over, who can run an offense. If you really need him to, I have no issues with this pick, but it, it was surprising to see him go this high. Yeah. But I like it a lot. I like it a lot. And for the reason you stated it's Lonzo ball insurance. Um, Lonzo has proven himself to be very, very brittle. Um, it feels like he misses 30 to 40 games a season. Like it's really, he misses half the season. It feels like Um, to have a guy that can take care of the ball. Who's big can uh, defend other guards at an elite level. And Dalen Terry, I, I, I just, even though I don't know a lot of the kid, just reading the scouting report, it seems like the Bulls really managed to find value at this pick here at 18. Yeah, I think the other move for them would have been, you know, getting going out and getting some forward um, that they can throw in because outside of DeMar DeRozan, there's not a lot of talented forwards there. Um, Patrick Williams, DePaul, I love. I think he's got crazy potential, but if he's going to be hurt all the time, you need insurance there. But getting insurance for Lonzo, I think, is perfect because they do need a guy who can run a half-court offense. Um, Lonzo is that guy when he's healthy and if Dale and Terry can learn from him and do a little bit of that when Lonzo's out you know I think that's great I think it's a little crazy though that you know we see this sometimes in the draft Dale and Terry's averages was eight points 4.8 rebounds and 3.9 assists 
Um, so, you know, I guess that's enough to be a first round draft pick in the NBA, but that's surprising to me. Yeah. It's more of the flashes and how he would fit into an NBA system more yeah. than the statistical production. But yeah, sometimes we look at these guys and it's like, how are they getting millions and millions of dollars based off of eight points per game? Yeah. Yeah. That's um, kind of how I feel. Uh, next, the next, yeah. The yeah. next pick is a complete mystery for both of us. Jake LaRavia. Um, to be completely honest with you listeners, we have no idea who this guy is. Uh, we did a brief read up on his um, scouting report before the podcast. And I understand why the Grizzlies took him. Um, he, the Grizzlies are super high on analytics. So if they find players that are very versatile and are efficient, they're going to take him. Uh, this guy averaged 14.6 rebounds, four assists, over a steal and a half, and a block per 34 minutes. Um, that is, if you know anything about statistical models in the NBA, blocks and steals, if you go above a certain threshold, it just means you're going to be a good NBA player, according to statistical models. And he checks that mark. Um, so I, I understand why they did it. I know nothing about this kid, but hopefully he works out for them. Yeah, I'm kind of in a similar place. I saw him being mocked at like 30 or again, being like a potential early second round guy, um, his true shooting is 65%. So, you know, that's ridiculous from a forward who does more than just dunk. Um, his assist use, his assist to usage, there's like advanced stats that you can look at that'll make him, that'll make you think this is a guy who fits well in a system. Um, this is not a guy who's going to demand 14, 12 shots a game. This is a guy who you can throw in and be your fifth, sixth best guy. Um, and he has no problems just doing whatever is asked to him. Um, the 65% true shooting and scoring 15 points a game doing that, I think is crazy. I don't know much about the dude other than the stats that I can look at. You know, I haven't watched him play, uh, but 6'8", 227, he's just another talented forward for the Grizzlies young core. Yeah, and I think forward is probably the spot they need to improve the most. I mean, they have John Morant. They have Tyus Jones. We'll see if he re-signs there. They have Dylan Brooks, who's a guard. Um, things get a little shaky at the forward spot, in my opinion. They have big man depth. They don't need more big men. Um, so if they round out that area, if they have Jake LaRavia and Zaire Williams, like, and that's, that's a pretty – if he is what the statistical models say he's going to be, then, yeah, they, they – got value here at this pick yeah at the least i think he'll be impactful who knows how much he does he can't shoot and he doesn't really shoot threes um but scoring inside it seems like he's pretty good at that so this is your guy spurs yeah. taking malachi branham at number 20 uh we talked about they need spacing if sohan's gonna play a lot of minutes malachi branham brings spacing he can score from pretty much anywhere what do you think about this pick i fucking love this pick dude they the value first off, like I think he should have been a lottery player and he it gets drafted at 20. Um, the spacing, the creation, the burst scoring, the potential to be a good defender. Like we've spoken about this. He's not built like Jordan Clarkson. He's not built like Bones Highland. He's built like a Mack truck. He has these wide shoulders, these big traps, these big arms, like he can stay in front of guys and like really kind of put his body up against people and slow them down. The defensive potential is there. And like the, you mentioned the spacing, I think next to DeJounte Murray, Sohan, 
Pirtle, like he's just going to add another element of spacing so these guys can get better looks at the rim. I really, really like this pick. I will ask, um, I we know Malachi Branham is sick offensively. I think he'll be able to do whatever they ask him to do. Um, from what I've seen, the defense is all potential. He's a big body with a big wingspan and he's athletic. But I haven't seen from the, the tape I've watched, I haven't seen anything that makes me think he's a good defender. It's very similar to Matherin, where in spot moments, he can clamp up people. Mm. He can slide and he can poke the ball loose or he can just wall up someone. But it's not something he's doing all game long or really even like possession, like strings of possessions. Um, But when he shows it, it's impressive. So like if he can just get consistency on that end, you're looking at a guy who, you know, could be a 20 point per game scorer at some point in his career and can play a little bit of defense at the guard spot. I I really, really, really like this pick. All right. I respect that. Uh, Moving on to number 21. This is another pick that's a little bit of a question mark for us. Christian Braun, big forward out of Kansas. Uh, From what I've read about him, he's a really, really good transition scorer. Um, He's pretty good at shooting jump shots. And then his finishing at the rim is slightly above average. So you're bringing in a big body at 6'7", who can get good block numbers as well, um, but is basically just an extra piece to get open buckets from Jokic. And with the kind of passing that Jokic does, you need a guy who can finish. Um, you need a guy who can shoot. And you've seen, if you've watched the Nuggets without Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray, that they lack offensive pieces. Uh, Aaron Gordon's a good defender. He's not hitting an open three. If he shoots more than three in a game, you're a little upset. Um, Christian Braun's at least a dude who seems to be able to finish some open looks. But that's yeah, all right. Yeah, no, that's I'm, I'm with you there. And, you know, if he can provide some defensive value as well, and just it basically what I've read throughout the scouting reports is he has good feel for game, feel for the game. And if you're going to play with Jokic, you need to have good feel for the game. He's going to find you on backdoor cuts. He's going to find you on pin downs and shit like that. And this guy's shooting 38% from three. Like that's a very efficient shooter. Um, I actually really like this pick. I hate that he's 21. Um, but I think in the Nuggets position, you are drafting for players that can help you right now. Um, obviously, they're trying to chase <clears throat> a championship, excuse me. Um, and I think Christian Braun's going to be a valuable bench piece. Uh, we saw in the playoffs, they lack depth. Like, it really is Jokic and a bunch of bums out there without Porter and Murray. Um, so I, I think he's going to add valuable value pretty quickly. It seems like he's a pretty good defender, too. Um, he's a good team defender. He's good at, you know, one-on-one isolation defense. Um, it is just because he's 21 that he fell this low. A lot of the times, you know, guys in the teams in the first round are not looking for old prospects with high floors. Um, but I think this is perfect for the Nuggets. You don't need some home run swing. You don't need some prospect, some question mark. Bring in a guy who knows what he's doing and will help you win right away. Um, the Grizzlies, number 22, drafted Walker Kessler and then traded him to Minnesota. Um, Minnesota, Carl Anthony Towns does not know how to defend people. Uh, Walker Kessler is one of those dudes where last year Luca Garza got drafted to the Pistons. And we watch, if you watched college basketball, Luca Garza was a sick offensive player. Um, but he is not mobile. And, you know, compared to NBA players, he's got no speed whatsoever. Walker Kessler is very, very similar. 
Um, he is not mobile whatsoever. I don't know how I feel about him. I don't know if he's ever going to get minutes. I disagree pretty heavily. I think this is a perfect pick for Minnesota because Carl Anthony Towns is one of the worst rim defenders in the entire league. Watching him in the playoffs made me sick. Uh, it was, it drove me. I've never seen more, a player commit more stupid fouls in my entire life. And Walker Kessler is a premier shot blocker. He has the highest block rate of any player in the last two and a half decades. That's something you can hang your hat on. Um, the mobility, I think, is a question mark. Um, I don't think it's like he's a statue out there like Luca Garza. Like Luca Garza, he's a, he's his own thing. Like he's a <laughs> he's a glacier out there, man. Um, I'm interested to see how Walker Kessler can deal with switching on to guards because, you know, guards are going to pull him up in the pick and roll. And when if he's going to play a lot of drop, but if he does end up getting switched on to a guard, like what does that look like? But all in all, I really like this pick. Um, I'm very optimistic about this pick, actually. I don't have any issues with that. I'm not like I'm not I don't think Walker Kessler is a bad basketball player or anything. Um, you're right. His block numbers are stupid. They like, don't make sense. Um, five blocks a game in 25 minutes is pretty insane. Um, so, you know, at the very least, he will be a really good paint presence and it's not like he'll be able to teach cat anything because cat's his own man and he just doesn't defend. We're, we're at, we're past the point where Carl Anthony Towns is ever going to be a good defender. Correct. Um, I think he plays almost 100% drop coverage. I think there won't be a single possession that they ask him to go out onto the perimeter because I think he'll just be abused. Um, but as just a guy who sits in the paint and stops people who drive at him, I think he'll be great at that. Um, I just don't know how much can he stay on the floor? Uh, how many minutes can he actually play in the NBA? Um, the mobility is the biggest question mark for me. Maybe the Luca Garza comparison is a bit much because you're right. He is one of a kind slow, um, <laughs> but we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, yeah. And I'm, I just, so this is the question I would pose to you as a guy who maybe has more question marks about this pick than I do. Would you rather have Jared Vanderbilt or Walker Kessler? out? And I liked Vanderbilt. He was an amazing rebounder. Um, and just a, he could defend wings and fours. So like he could switch, but would you rather have like the shot blocking presence of Kessler or the switchability and rebounding of Vanderbilt? I like Vanderbilt. A lot. Okay. That's tough. Right. Um, but uh, you know, are you are you thinking the Timberwolves play Cat and Walker Kessler at the same time? I think they have to. I think they have to keep Cat on the floor, you know, 35 minutes a game because he's one of the best offensive players in our game. But at the same time, the damage you take from him being your only rim protector is insane. The guy yeah. just doesn't know how to do it. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's something they could definitely try. Um I'm excited to see it, man. You know, at least Walker Kessler is a good basketball player. He's an all around really good basketball player. So it's not like he's going to bust or anything. I just don't know. It has to be proven to me whether or not he can stay on the floor in the NBA. Totally fine with that. Um, This next pick is one of your favorite players in the entire draft. David Roddy, the six foot six barrel chested man from Colorado State going to Memphis. What are your thoughts about this pick? I love this pick. Um, you said it earlier. Memphis is a team that really focuses on analytics. 
Um, they really, really pride themselves on like really caring about that stuff. Yeah. David Roddy, his uh, cons, his weaknesses are the, the fact that he's old and he's not like a good free throw shooter. And his chest uh, is too big. <laughs> yeah, and he's too muscular <laughs> to be a football player. No, but he is 6'6", 261. Um, so, you know, he's immediately going to be like one of the heaviest guys in the NBA. Um, but big body, he can pretty much do anything. He can score pretty efficiently. He's actually a good three-point shooter, like really good three-point shooter. Um, he is going to intimidate the hell out of people at his size. Um, he does pretty much everything well, man. I thought he was going to be a second round pick, but this is value. This is great value. Yeah, I I was a little shocked to see him go here. Uh, I did not, and for Memphis to trade up to get him too, I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. like maybe they know something I don't. Um, but yeah, if you go to his statistical outlook, it's basically everything in the plus except for three pro- free throw percentage. Like if you have a player that that like versatile and efficient from all these different areas of the game, most likely they're going to turn out all right. Um, he averaged a, over a block and over a steal. And like I said, if for any statistical model, that's looking good. And I just, the Grizzlies are one of these teams now where I just trust what they, what they're doing. Right. Like last year they chose one of the biggest hit or miss players in the draft in Zaire Williams. And he ended up hitting. Like, he was a really switchable wing. He played great defense and hit open shots when he needed to. Um, it ended up working out. So, with David Roddy, I just have faith that he's going to work out at this point. Yeah, it's not like he needs a lot of coaching. It's not like you have to teach him how to do anything basketball-wise. Um, you just have to find the way he fits onto your team. And the Grizzlies have shown that they know how to do that. Um, you know, Xavier Tillman, they got so many guys that – seem like these like really interesting how do they fit on a team type players and then memphis makes it work perfectly uh memphis is just this team now that's got like a a 12-man lineup it feels like and you can just slot you can just pick and choose five of them at a time and they're all going to be really sick and really impactful um they're running out of minutes and they traded d'anthony mountain as a part of this it's not like david roddy fills those shoes or anything right Um, but you know, they're running out of minutes for their guys. They have too many impactful players, which is such a weird position for a young team like the Grizzlies to be in. It really is. It's it's a strange issue to have um, in like a perfect world. We wish they could sing, like consolidate these players and maybe move it for one more talented player. Um, but they just have such depth throughout their roster. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm curious to see how these players fit into it that they've drafted. Yeah, me too. Uh, we're just going to have to wait and see. Uh, pick number four, 24, the Bucks drafted Marion Beauchamp uh, from the G League Ignite. He is the second player from the G League Ignite team to get drafted in the first round this year. Um, I don't know a lot about him. I know he's long. I know he's got a lot of energy. I know he's like pretty solid defensively. But, how, you know, is there more that you know about him than I don't? No, I think that's the perfect way to describe him. He's a long a defensively active wing. And I think the Bucks are really comfortable with drafting players that show defensive prowess. And let's just see if we can, you know, develop them out uh, with Chris Middleton. That's kind of what it was. Like he was a bucket getter, but they really developed him with Giannis. Obviously that's like nothing we've ever seen in the NBA before. Um, but I think they're comfortable with 
hey, we're a championship team. If we do need to send him back to the G League, it's totally fine. We don't expect him to contribute to winning right now. Um, I'm fine with this pick. I think at this spot in the draft, too, that's pretty good value. Like, I don't even, I don't really see players behind him that I think offer more. So I, I'm, I'm okay with this pick. I, I think it's fine at this spot in the draft. The floor is pretty high, especially defensively, but he is not good at shooting the ball. Right. Um, really good at finishing around the rim from like the little bits of highlights I've seen. It seems like he's got pretty good touch when it comes to driving to the hoop, uh, but he shot 24% from the three point line, which is awful. Um, and he shot in the 60s from the free throw line. So definitely the shooting touch needs to be reworked. Um, but for the defensive potential that this dude brings right off the bat, and like as a potential lob threat or like backdoor cut kind of guy, um, I think it's a pretty solid pick. Moving to number 25, Spurs drafted Blake Wesley. He's a dude that I kind of compare to Malachi Branham in just a smaller-ish body that can score and get you buckets. Um, We talk about this. You do not need to take a top five pick. You don't need to use a top seven pick uh, to get a guy who can only score, unless that guy is going to be all-star levels of scoring. If he's just going to bring like eight points a game pretty efficiently, you do not need a top 10 pick for that. Um, Blake Wesley, I feel like, is another dude in that category where he's just going to bring you spark minutes and get you buckets uh, off the bench as like a seventh, eighth man. Yeah, I'm with you. We like, this is one of my hardcore draft philosophies at this point is, you know, go to scores or like just score, score only players you can find anywhere in the draft. Um, Jalen green is a different level. This is a guy who will put up 30 points per game at some point in his career and, you know, potentially make multiple all NBA teams. Um, but guys like Jordan Clarkson or Cam Thomas or Bones Highland, they're like these small skinny players you that just fill up the bucket. You can find them anywhere. Um, and I think you're right. Like Blake Wesley fits into this category. And I think, you know, the more scoring that the Spurs have, the better. Um, I view that team as kind of like they really work hard for their buckets. Uh, there's not a lot of natural, easy things going on there. I think Keldon Johnson and DeJounte Murray are the most talented scorers on that team. Um, And then everyone else kind of just grinds and grits for their buckets. And I think the more offensive talent they have, the better. Yeah. Blake Wesley is a highlights guy. Blake Wesley is a dude who shows potential, but if you go look at his box score, you're not seeing anything that strikes you as like crazy, immediately good score. Um, I think he's going to take a little bit, but you're right. The Spurs are a team where you really got to fight for your minutes. You got to fight for your shots. And I think just the amount of young talent on that team, they're going to make each other better. Um, Blake Wesley's not going to come in and play 20 minutes a game, anything like that. But I think eventually he'll be a good spark plug scorer for them. Uh, Wendell Moore Jr. I like. He's a dude from Duke. He's the fourth Duke guy drafted in this first round. Uh, Unreal. But he's a guy who does basically anything that's asked to him. I think the Mavericks, Mavs at 26 got a really good pick in Wendell Moore Jr. He's not going to be a great player. He's not going to be this, you know, incredible role player or anything, but just a valuable guy is like the eighth, ninth man on your team. That's what you're kind of looking for at number 26. And he got traded to Houston, actually. Oh, he so did. He did. Oh, yeah, look so, at that. so this is just another guy. Mm-hmm. on Houston's collection of picks. Um, and I, I'm with you, dude. I like him. I just feel like he is another glue guy, kind of like I was talking about earlier with the Braun kid. 
Um, he was 50, 40, 80 in college. That type of efficiency is always appealing to me. I love efficient basketball players. I'd rather have a guy who scores less and is efficient than a guy who scores a ton and is really inefficient. Um, and he just seems like he can do a little bit of everything. He had good rebounding numbers, really good assist numbers, like surprisingly good assist numbers for a forward. Um, I, I'm all in. I think it's a really, really good pick uh, above 60% true shooting, which is kind of the mark you want to see for an efficient player. I, I'm all in on that pick for Houston at this spot. Yeah, I didn't realize until right now that he went to Houston, but, you know, Houston needs a lot of plus players. Um, I would have liked him on the Mavs, but I don't think that was ever in the cards. But Houston getting Wendell Moore, another value player, another guy who will definitely pan out in the NBA. Uh, number 27, the Heat draft, Nikola Jovic. Yeah. Uh, he was high on my list early just because I think his name's dope. Um, he's 6'9" with a beautiful three point shot. He does not, he's not like a 44% three point shooter or anything, but if you look at his form man, it's so clean the way he gets it off above people, uh, big fan. And we know the heat squeeze the most amount of talent possible from the guys that they draft. I'm a little bit worried about him when we come to play him later in the year, because they've got so many guys where it's like, where the hell did you come from? Why are you hitting threes in our face? Um, and I think Nikolajovic is going to be one of those guys. He has the potential to be one of those guys. Yeah, I, he's he's a very interesting player because you're right. If you look at some of his best games, he looks really freaking scary. And then you look at his just overall numbers and inefficiency kind of stands out. 41% from the floor, 31% from three. Um, nowhere close to a block, close to one steal a game, a bunch of turnovers. He's kind of, it's, he's one of those players where the tools really intrigue you. The numbers kind of scare you, but it, like you said, like it's the Miami heat. They have made a living out of taking bargain bin players or players that shouldn't be great and turning them into something. So I, I'm, I'm bought in with the Nikola Jovic pick, especially at this spot. Like I saw him getting drafted as high as like 20 to the Spurs with Branham. So you're getting him five, six picks later, seven picks later. I, I think that's a great pick. I totally agree. Uh, Patrick Baldwin Jr., this is your guy. Yeah. Um, he played for his dad in Milwaukee, and it started going south, and he gave up. He was one of the highest-ranked <laughs> high school prospects, and then you watch him at college, and he looked awful. Um, tell me about this pick, how you feel about it. Um, if he was going to land anywhere, this is where I would want him to land. If they can turn him around, which I think there's a small chance of them doing, they would just be unstoppable. I mean, they have Moody, they have Kaminga, they would have Baldwin and potentially they keep Wiggins. That, like that wing rotation we just saw in the NBA finals, how important wings are in today's you know NBA. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins influenced the entire series. He can, like he swung the series. Um, if they could even like further bolster that rotation of wings with Patrick Baldwin Jr. That would be incredible. Um, they, they, I feel like they're kind of building a track record of like choosing these risky top high school prospects and just trusting their system that it will, it will like make them professionals. So very intrigued. Um, I'm not sure how much I like him now, but I just think for such a highly ranked high school player, Getting that 28th is pretty, I think it's a good deal. I It's not a bad deal, especially because it's the Warriors. 
Um, the Warriors do not need this guy to pan out. They don't need him to play a single minute in the NBA. Um, but, you know, it's 6'10", with the sort of offensive capabilities he showed in high school, if he can bring any of that, it's invaluable. You know, there's not many guys at 6'10 who you can rely on to score you big buckets. Um, I have low hopes that Patrick Baldwin Jr. will be anything. Yeah. But the Warriors develop talent, man. The Warriors bring a good culture. This is the place for him to land. Uh, moving on to number 29, I have been a proud Ty Ty Washington hater. Yeah, for, <laughs> for like, you know, since the draft process started. Um, but I will say if he was the Grizzlies drafted him and then traded him, if he went to the Grizzlies, I would have been all on board. John Morant and Tyus Jones learning from them would have made this kid so much better. Um, playing behind D'Angelo Russell, I don't know how I feel. Um, yeah, but you know, it's the 29th pick. What are the odds this kid turns out? Right. So the odds are low already. Um, I think this is a half decent fit actually. Uh, just because I think D'Angelo Russell needs to get the hell out of Minnesota soon. So like, are they going to be trying to, you know, rise, raise up Ty Ty Washington to be like, the guy who takes D'Angelo Russell's spot. I have no idea. I would like to see that happen, but obviously Washington has to become a good enough player to like make that happen. So I'm okay with the pick. It's the 29th pick. Like you said, the odds of these players turning out are very low. Jordan Poole is an exception, not the rule. So um, I'm fine with the pick here, but both of us have not been high on him throughout the entire draft process. No. Yeah. And at 29, um, there's no risk in taking him. I have no issues with that. Yeah. Uh, pick number 30, Peyton Watson from UCLA, 6'8", seven-foot wingspan. Yeah. I know very little about him. I know he brings defensive intensity. I know he's like a half-court pull-up shot kind of guy. He's not bad in the half-court offense. His pull-up uh, efficiency is, you know, above average. But I don't know much about him. So I will give a little breakdown. He was a very, very good high school player. Um, a very good two-way high school player, and that's why he was so highly touted. Uh, but coming into college, he lost basically all of his offensive game. Um, I, I don't know how it happened, but, you know, he, he has defensive versatility heading into the NBA, but the scoring is going to be something to look at. Um, he got acquired by Denver, and I think he could – take some of Aaron Gordon's minutes to kind of, you know, keep Aaron Gordon off the court just for health reasons, not wear him out. Cause we saw in the postseason Aaron Gordon looked horrible. Um, that could be to fatigue. That could be because of an increased role. I don't know, probably a little bit of both. If you can take some of those minutes off of Aaron Gordon by putting this kid in and just kind of scrapping on the defensive end, I'm fine with it. All right. That, that totally makes sense. Um, he'll, you know, like 10 minutes a game, 12 minutes a game at most. Uh, that definitely makes sense. So that is the first round. Yeah. Um, not a lot of picks that we really don't like. Ochag Baji could have been better. Um, yep. You know, Dale and Terry to the, to the Bulls. Who knows? There's a couple of question marks. But all in all, I have not no big issues with this first round. I'm with you. And it's funny. We had a similar feeling last year. Um, the only pick we were like super in love with was Davy and Mitchell. And it was just because he was so tiny and the Kings already had deer and Fox and Tyrese Halliburton. Mm -hmm. He turned out. Okay. He had a good, like last 20 games of the season. I'm okay with most of these picks. I think Ochai Baji or 
Sohan are like the weirdest fits in the draft, but I can see the reasoning behind basically every single pick. So I'm kind of optimistic about this draft. Like I think we'll see some guys surprise us a little bit. Yeah, low key. It's something we might, we could even make an episode talking about, but I think people are just getting better at drafting. Um, I think people like that part of the organization is filled with more guys who really know what they're talking about. And it's less like sensationalist articles. They're like, and you know, it's filled with scouts who actually watch these guys. Right. Like (laughs) a few years ago, Nikola Jovich might be a top seven pick just because of some article that came out from a European writer and a draft right. scout was like, we need to hop on that. It doesn't feel like there's as much like mistakes today. You know what I mean? We, I, I sent you an Instagram uh, photo the other day of like the last five years and the top three picks of them. And all of them kind of made sense. Yeah. Uh, the Marvin Bagley one, that's, he's the only exception, but like everything kind of makes sense. So yeah, I think your point of just people are getting better at drafting is spot on. I agree. Um, before we wrap up, I want to take a look at the second round and go through some of the interesting guys, because I yeah. think that there's about a dozen that we've talked about as potential first round picks that didn't pan out. Um, I'm going to start with 33. Raptors took Christian Coloco. Your guy. He is, a, you know, he's 22 years old, but he is a super athlete. Um, not this explosive leaper or anything, but a dude at 6'11", who can move pretty well laterally, who can jump pretty high, who's got a high standing reach, who's tall. Um, anything that you need from a center, Christian Coloco does. And the Raptors have been without a good center forever. Um, so if he does nothing but rim roll and protect the hoop, he is perfect for them. Yeah, yeah and I, I heard a pretty interesting uh, comparison for him, and it was better Chris Bouchette. And, you know, that's awesome for the Raptors. Like, if they can just upgrade that spot by a little bit, that's fine. Because Chris Boucher is a great offensive player. Like, he's really helpful on that end. As a defender, he there's a little bit left there to be desired. So, mm-hmm. Coloco's a very good defender, and he's shown the ability to stretch the floor. If he can become a defensive Chris Boucher, I mean, that's a win for the Raptors, for sure. It is. Yeah. And at 33, you know, I thought he was going to be a first round pick, but right outside the first round, I think that's really good value for them. Um, I want to jump around a little bit. Well, we don't have to go crazy in order here. The Cavaliers at 49 drafted Evan Mobley's older brother, Isaiah Mobley. Yeah. I don't know if that's a nepotism pick or I don't know if Isaiah Mobley's a good player, but I want to hear from you. So I watched a ton of Isaiah Mobley, obviously, because I was watching a ton of Evan Mobley. And he's actually a half good player. Like, I understand why they drafted him. He slams the offensive boards. He's very aggressive. Like, Evan Mobley's a very quiet guy, but just kind of controls the game with how good he is at basketball. His brother is very loud. And, like, everything he does on the court is loud. So you'll see him crash the boards, get a putback dunk, and scream the whole way down the court. Um, it definitely is a nepotism pick, but I don't mind it just because I do think he can add some spot minutes. Um, EJ Liddell dropping all the way to 41. I don't understand. Um, there were so many mock drafts having him in like the twenties and getting him in the middle of the second round. I think David Griffin is on one right now. I've criticized him heavily. He has shut my ass up. Over the last two years with Herb Jones, Alvarado, uh, the CJ McCollum trade was genius. It looks like this draft is another home run, honestly, because if you get EJ Liddell in the middle of the second round, you get Dyson Daniels like that is a great draft. So um, 
I, I just I can't believe he fell that far. This is not the value of a 41st pick. Like this is having a second round, another uh, first round pick. That's basically what this feels like, being able to get E.J. Liddell. I think it's crazy that he fell to 41. It bums me the fuck out when we see these guys who they dress up in nice suits and they put the camera on him in the, the showroom and then yeah. he just keeps not getting drafted. Yeah, um, It's what we saw with Bull Bull that year oh that just depressed the hell out of me ej liddell is a dude who i feel like thought he was gonna go in the first round like in the 20s yeah. um, and to see him keep falling and falling was crazy but the pelicans got awesome value here awesome and uh another name we need to mention Jaden hardy who yeah. was once the second ranked player in high school went 37th 37th he was traded to dallas um, I actually like that pick. I think he could be a Jalen Brunson light. Um, like, I think that's a pretty reasonable uh, career for him. So I like that fit, but for him to fall to the second round after being the second ranked player in high school, that is, I don't, I don't know if we'll see that again. Like that's a historic drop. It is dude. And I'm about as high as I can be on him panning out. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to bust. He really did not play great in the G league ignite. Um, but he's playing against grown men. If he took the shade and sharp route, you know, maybe he's like, you know, 14th. Um, if he decided to just not play for a year, he'd probably be a lot higher on people's boards. Um, but it shows that he works. It shows that he like tries his ass off against, you know, much more talented players. Um, I think Dallas getting him at 37 is awesome. And I think he'll be good for them eventually. I think he'll get minutes his rookie year. Um, Kennedy Chandler is another guy who, if you go and you want to see, like, I want to watch the guy who jumps higher than anybody else. I want to watch the most explosive leaper. Uh, Kennedy Chandler is that guy. He was kind of like the Keon Johnson of last year. Yep. Keon Johnson's not a great basketball player, but can jump out of the gym. Um, and I think this is a more realistic place for a guy like that to fall outside of the first draft, outside of the first round, he, he doesn't show a lot of promise as a basketball player, but just as an athlete, he's it's stupid. Yeah. It's worth taking the risk and going to the Celtics pick. They chose JD, uh, JD Davidson from Alabama, really cool hair. Instantly. I'm in, I'm in a root for that kid. The Washington Wizards selected Yannick Zosa and, this time last year, he was projected to be a top three pick because he was like an international superstar defender at the age of 18. Um, and they thought he was basically Rudy Gobert who could stick on the perimeter. Then he proceeded to have the worst international season basically ever. Got hurt a few times. Teammates froze him out. Um, just, just all bad stuff. So watching Yannick Sosa and seeing if he ever appears in an NBA game, which will be fun for me. So he played 39 games in his last season and he averaged a whopping four points, yeah, 2.6 rebounds and 0.8 blocks in 12 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you're right. He was a, you know, very, very highly talked about and then just absolutely forgot about um, there is no risk taking him at 54. Who knows if he'll ever play a minute in the NBA. But I think that wraps up the draft. Um, just before we get out of here, let's do a best case and a worst case. Who do you think had the best overall draft moving into next year? That's a tough question. I want to say it's the Thunder um, because I think Chet is the superstar of the top three. 
I want to say it's the Pistons because Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran together are an awesome, awesome pairing. Um, I think those are the two. I wish I could say it was the Spurs. They had so many first-round picks. Yeah. Um, we just got to wait and see with Sohan. So I'm going to go Thunder 1 and then Detroit 2. I think the Thunder have to be mentioned. They, they I think they just did an unbelievable job just and like what their theory was for this draft, and they got what I – think will be the best player from this draft um but I, I really like the rockets and pistons um i think the okc draft was almost handed to them on a silver platter i think the pistons to trade up and get durin and th- just thank the lord that jade and ivy fell to them um i think that is such a good draft and you, they already have a superstar on their team so they're trying to figure out how to build it out around Cade cunningham and honestly, the Rockets, too. Like, you know Jalen Green's your superstar moving forward. He's going to give you the 25 points per game probably as soon as next year. Like, if we see that, I will not be surprised. So you're putting versatile defensive wings next to him to kind of cover up his weakness. I think it was a showstopper draft from the Rockets, OKC, and the Pistons. Those three teams in particular did an unbelievable job, in my opinion. I agree. I just love OKC taking Uzman and Jang, trading for that 11th pick while keeping the 12th pick. Yeah. Jalen yes. Williams and Uzman and Jang and Chet. And then the other Jalen Williams, the big man in the early second round. Yeah. Um, I think that was perfect. If we have to go a loser from this draft. Yeah. It's the Knicks because they didn't draft anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of that. You know, we don't have losers here. It's not like we're mad about any of these picks. Yeah, it really doesn't feel like – I think, like, if you were to choose a player, it would be Jaden Hardy, right? Like, if a guy – if you had to choose a player that lost in this, it would either be Keegan Murray or Jaden Hardy because Murray, he ends up getting selected fourth, which is great for his wallet, but you're you're going into a situation where the team's dying to make the playoffs. They're really counting on you to make contributions and perform and get them there. I don't love that for him. And obviously Jaden Hardy falling so far. And also a loser of the draft is Paulo Banchero or Paulo Banchero. I think a ton of reports came out that he had never even worked out for the magic and that him and his camp were sold that they were going to the Rockets. And then he just gets selected by the magic last minute. I think that's like very strange. Um, it kind of lets me know that he probably didn't want to go to the magic or that's what I'm thinking. So I don't know. I think he has to be mentioned, even though I think he's going to do great there. And I think it's a great fit. I think if he didn't want to go to Orlando and got selected, that's kind of a bummer. I I think so too. And I think another underrated loser here is Jabari because he was not happy. He was was not not, happy. He was not number three. Um, and, you know, I don't blame him. The Rockets are kind of in no man's land. Jalen Green is amazing, and we know he's amazing. But, like, what else do they have? Who knows? Um, I'm not sure if he would have been happier on the Magic, but it was weird to see him and Paolo go to places that they were not expecting and, like, didn't really seem to be that thrilled about. Yeah. Yeah, we knew Chet was going, too. We knew it because he, he told everyone, I don't care what team has it. I want to pick my situation. And we knew that he liked OKC. So we knew that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. For Paolo and Jabari, I think both of them were a little bit blindsided by how the night turned out. Um, so, yeah, I think they just have to be mentioned. But all in all, like, 
basically only positive things to say about this draft. Like I thought every team did a really good job. Um, I see a lot of role players in this draft, a lot of players that will be significant in the coming years. Um, I'm pumped. I'm pumped, honestly. I am too. And I think in terms of star power, uh, the top nine guys are the guys with the highest chance. Um, They all did a pretty good, I mean, teams did a pretty good job mixing home run swings with high floor picks. Um, all the guys in the top nine, I think are the only nine, maybe outside of Jalen Williams that I thought had any chance of being a star. So uh, just all in all great picks from this draft. Yeah. So that will wrap up our draft episode. We'll probably do a little bit more draft content in some capacity. I don't know when summer league starts. It's probably like the middle of July. Um, so we have a few weeks without any basketball action, but we'll find stuff to fill the time to make some podcasts. Ben, do you have anything? Real quick, I do want to mention, um, outside of the draft, guys that were talked about didn't get drafted. Uh, Sharif O'Neal, Shaq's son, is now uh, signing for the Lakers, and he's going to play for the Lakers Summer League team. And Scottie Pippen Jr. went undrafted, also going to be playing for the Lakers Summer League team. Very interesting. The Lakers actually have a decent track record of undrafted free agents with Caruso Mm -hmm. and Reeves. So let's see if that works out. Yeah. All right. See you guys. Peace.